Welcome back to another issue. I'm Beastie Boy. I'm Red. And it is I, Shino Brando. There's a thin line between being a hero and being a memory. And in this issue, you'll get to know 80s icons, G.I. Joe, and Transformers as we give you stuff you may not have known. And knowing is half the battle. Well, guys, let me just take you a little trip down memory lane. For you see, you guys seem to be avid collectors of toys, right? We like it at toys, yeah. Yeah. Well... Let me bring you back to the, let me let me say the mid-50s first, right? To give an idea where, where this tale begins. How we got toys up to this day, okay? To the way back, here mm-hmm. we go. So way back in the 50s, the, one of the first major toys to really hit the scene was a Barbie doll. And we all know Barbie. She's still around today, right? B-A-R-B-I-E, Barbie girl, yeah. That's right. The one with many professions, right? So being the first kind of figure, of course, it was targeted towards young girls, right? Needless to mm. say. So... Boys at the time didn't have any toys. In fact, do you know what boys were playing with at the time? Hot Wheels? Sticks and stones. No. So nice guesses, guys. So sticks and stones is a little too far back and Hot Wheels is a little too far forward. Okay. They're right in the middle. They have to be right in the middle. Boys played with potatoes, in particular, Mr. Potato Head. And I'm not talking about no the actual way. Yeah, that's way. And I'm not talking about the actual plastic potato. I'm talking about an actual potato. Yeah, and you bought you bought parts Stop. that you stuck on the fucking yeah no you, no I'm not stopping you bought parts to stick on the potato uh-huh. and that was Mr. Potato Head Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head for that matter oh my mm-hmm. god okay okay you the may go secret through... origin of Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head one company the company that produced Mr. Potato Head a little company you may know as the Hassenfield Brothers aka Hasbro. Ta-da. Oh, that's yeah. it. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So they wanted to market something to the young boys because, well, they had nothing to play with, right? So they decided to kind of work on the Barbie concept. So they kind of looked at Ken in particular and like, well, sorry to kind of date these people, but like, how can we man this guy up a little bit more? Right? Mm-hmm. How do we so make a man day, out of him? You know? Exactly. So they commissioned we a lot of... and we're like, how do we make a man out of you? Exactly. So they commissioned one dude and he kind of got inspired by one old military movie about a guy named G.I. Joe. Mm-hmm. So he was like, he was madly inspired by this. So he said, you know, how about we come up with a, like, a, like a military concept? So what he did was he kind of went around town in good old Providence, Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. And as he was darting around town, he kind of found one of those, you know, those art dolls that are posable? Yeah, yeah. So he bought one of those and he kind of popped the, the head off of Ken and plopped it on there and kind of drew on a beard, give him like another hairstyle and threw some like cardboard army clothes on him and kind of like brought it to like a showcase and was like, this is the concept we're coming up with. Like this is a, this is G.I. Joe. And so Hasbro Brothers were like, sold, we'll take it. So that was in production. And so the first G.I. Joe figure was this 12 inch figure that came in either like a Navy, like Marine kind of uniform, army, everything, right? They had different forms and you could buy different uniforms and all this stuff. It was expensive as shit. Like what was expensive back then? Oh, I can't remember pricing, but like if you were to look at it nowadays, like by inflation, like this was no cheap toy. I'm thinking like you had to invest into it. So we're we're talking like a, like in equivalent, probably like a $40, $50 toy for like, like, you know, like a 12 year old kid, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And you bought like expensive accessories. Like there was always a new Foot Locker that came out for this for this dude with different mm-hmm. items, different guns, different whatever, different everything. So new, new bow accessory, new like exactly thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This one's got a new hairstyle. This one's a different color. Like, you know. Oh, oh boy, before we even get to that. So there's many variations because G.I. Joe got super popular with the guy. So like there's many knockoffs. Bullet Man. Who had nothing to do with bullets other than being a human bullet. He wore a condom top, silver chrome helmet, and was shot out of cannon. There was also Fighting Yank, who was literally a ripoff from the Amigo company. 
that was notorious for knocking off toys. And so that was their version of G.I. Joe. Yeah. So what have I told you, you, Beastie, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that the Bullet Man, that's where Peacemaker draws his inspiration from. Yes. <laughs> Chrome Dome and all. And one of the last most notable guys here that you guys all do know of is the incredible Action Man. Action Man. Yeah. We love yeah. us an Action Man. Yeah, he's another knockoff. During this time period, there was a high rise in the popularity of G.I. Joe because, well, your war heroes from back in the day, from you know, World War II, were still war heroes talked about in that era of time, the 60s. Mm-hmm. As we got into the 70s, however, Vietnam War is not so popular. So the war setting is, was kind of like not so great. So G.I. Joe became rebranded as part of the adventure team, which featured other figures in the G.I. Joe land who were now part of his adventure team. Some of these would have variations like G.I. Joe with the infamous Kung Fu grip and flocked hair and beard, soft to the touch. Eagle-eyed Joe, which was literally you able to make his eyes shift around by using a little knob on the back of his head to just move his eyes from left to right. That That's all it was. Ben was eagle-eyed because he saw everything. Okay. Yeah. In that time period, one Hassanfield brothers kind of passed away and gave ownership to one of the other brothers who then had children over that course of time. And one of his children kind of fell into the family business, of course. And after the 70s period where J.I. Joe, like, and I think, believe 1978, J.I. Joe ended. Later on, like after his dad's passing, because J.I. Joe was kind of his dad's like big thing that he brought to the table for like, you know, America. So that was like the big thing for them from Hasbro. So as the 70s kind of closed and we went back to the 80s, he kind of wanted to revive G.I. Joe and didn't know how. So he kind of got like a little Haddock team together to kind of revive this franchise within Hasbro. Mm-hmm. And so one of these dudes was inspired by the uh, Kenner three and three quarter Star Wars action figures, which are still fucking popular today. Every action figure is literally named an action figure due to the 12-inch figure of G.I. Joe, the doll. They were At Hasbro, it's actually illegal in the hallways to call G.I. Joe a doll. You have to refer to him as an action figure. Wow. Yes. They're not dolls, yeah. Mom. They're action figures. Literally. Action figures. Legal, Hasbro, right? Legally. That's legally. Legally. In Hasbro's, within Hasbro's own halls, if they catch you calling him a doll, you may not have your job the next day. Did you hear about this new dollar release? What did you say? Fired immediately. <laughs> Literally. So the, the term action figure was coined due to G.I. Joe. Damn. So everything action figure now is thanks to that. <laughs> so, Wait, so literally G.I. Joe made action the term action figure the money move. That's exactly it. So they decided, what if we took the posable art doll concept of articulation and make it the size of the Star Wars figures. So we give them, you know, we give the people better quality toy than what Kenner's pushing out there, right? The three and three quarter figure thing was a, was a good idea. They brought that to the table, but Stephen Hassenfield was just like, so what? Like, I mean, sure, you scale them down, but like, why do, Why would kids care about fucking G.I. Joe now? I, I need an idea. So one other dude was just like, well, we have this comic book, but he had nothing in hand. So Stephen Hassenfield was just like, where was the fucking comic book? You see, it's an idea. <laughs> yeah, it's it's mishmash. It's it's in the works. So he's like, yeah. okay, cool, There fine. was an idea. But he's like, okay, so what else do you got? The other dude was just like, you know what? We already made the jingle for it. So Hassenfield no, was like, okay. No, they did it. <laughs> let, me, let me hear this jingle. So the man okay. pops in the tape. The tape's literally less than 30 seconds. It has dead silence. And then all of a sudden, the fucking fabled words come out. And the song plays out, right? Stephen Hassifield sits, sits there. He listens to the whole intro. He sits there paused. The whole room is quiet as shit. The whole gang is now worried, like, did we really piss this man off just now? <laughs> did I just shoot dog? myself in the foot twice and get relieved of duty? Right? Like, He turns to the guy. He goes, 
I'm going to tell my father about this. I'll be right back. And he leaves you know, Give me a second. Let me call daddy up real quickly. No, no, no. Catch. And, and I'm happy you said that. Catch this. Because uh. they all they all looked at each other and were like, but his dad passed away a couple of years back. Oh. Oh. This man. I'm a bad. This, this man drove all the way down to the cemetery to walk to his dad's grave and tell him that J.I. Joe is back. Oh. That's how, that's that's how real it was for him. Holy shit. Yeah. So that's actually Loki dope, but like, damn. <laughs> so those guys knew they secured their fucking job as soon as they heard, like, oh, like, they're, yo, okay, good. So now production begins. Now that they have this man's clear inspiration, right, his, his mm. clear love and, and want for this, they had to find a way to, like, make it manifest. So they try to dart the idea around a couple of places, right? So this is now 1981, bleeding into 1982. The Cold War era of time is now at a full height, right? Mm-hmm. Patriotism is at a, at a complete height as well. They now have to make G.I. Joe kind of relatable. Nothing to do with superpowers. Star Wars is known for the Force. Comic books had superpowers, but we had to do something a bit different. So they kind of walked around and moseyed around the idea of a couple of people. Nobody wanted to do it. So they went to Marvel, and Marvel's like, okay, hold on, man. Let's not push you out the door just yet. I mean, it looks like you have something here, but I mean, okay, you want to sell a toy line? Sure. The thing in Marvel, the Marvel hallways there, if you have to make a comic book at a toy line, that means one, you either shit at your job or two, we're trying to push you out. So they looked around and looked around and they're trying to find out some guy to take the fucking shtick. So they found good old Larry Hama. This is not the first time on this channel that we've mentioned one Mr. Hama. That's right. He was also in charge of writing Nam. Who actually participated in Nam. He was a engineer for the army. For those that want to hear about Nam, tune into our original Kirkland Brand episode. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button and don't forget to give us a like. For every sub and like you give us, Baby Shino gets more wings. But Larry Hama got the job and was kind of like, well, fuck. All right. This is my make or break moment here. He's had a he's had a good run at Marvel. Nothing terrible. He's actually had a good time. He was very well known for being part of Hollywood. He was very well known for acting, being behind the camera, writing, everything, being, being in the army. So he had a good name rolling around. He was like, okay, fine. I'll take the opportunity to do something here. You know, I've, I've done the nom. I could do this. Lariama, being a mad genius, sat down and literally made every character profile for this whole franchise top to bottom if they're named he did it 250 characters that all have real names backgrounds origins profile cards the the whole thing the whole work god damn so much so that when the comics were being produced by marvel he literally did characters a through k for the first volume and then everything else for the end of the alphabet in the second volume that's hilarious like he made too many characters And like went, there's, went there's not yeah. enough room in these 16, 17 issues. Okay, in volume two, the back half of this fucking alphabet. That's it. That's exactly what he did. Archie Goodwin, that's a familiar name, right? Red, I'm pretty sure you know who Archie Goodwin is. Yeah. Archie Goodwin is the guy who created the logo for Cobra. Oh, shit. So these two made the inspiration for G.I. Joe, the Bible, if you will. <laughs> and this toy line and this comic franchise would run rampant from 1982 mm-hmm. to 1991. And in that time, a little Babishino was there and partook in all this stuff. And I'm that weird 80s child that preferred G.I. Joe over Transformers, even though Transformers was that much more popular. G.I. Joe was fun for me because it featured men and women 
who were just normal, who did amazing feats of shit yeah. to beat the bad guys. And plus, the bad guys were all fucking cool. Cobra Commander is always going to be my shit. I love Destro. Baroness is hot as fuck. So, I mean, like, I'm not mad at this show. I love the show for everything they provided me. Snake Eyes is my shit. Can't change my mind. Unless he's in um, live action, then he's not your shit. Yeah, unless he's in live action. <sighs> then he can eat your shit. Then he can eat all of the shit. It's so sad. Damn. But the animated series will run real strong as well from 1983 to 1986, boasting three long, many episode seasons. As all things come to an end, the steam would run out, and by mid-90s, 94, G.I. Joe would come to an end. For now, anyways. That's the history of G.I. Joe. And knowing is half the battle. There you go. <laughs> by the way, also, the real rest lesson in G.I. Joe is... On the pie ratio, 50% knowing, 25% is red laser, 25% is blue laser. And that's what you really need to know. <laughs> and knowing is, in fact, half the battle. There you go. Oh God. Okay. But that's not the only 80 staple we have here. Because on a Saturday morning cartoon block, and even in bleeding into the weekday afternoons, J.A. Joe was accompanied by another franchise from the same house. Red, go on. So let's scale back the clock a little bit back again. During when the original G.I. Joe figure was being made, right in around the 70s, mm -hmm. a Japanese toy manufacturer named Takara stripped the combat from the Joe and replaced his innards with mech parts, turning the toys wow. into Henshin Cyborg. Henshin? Toys okay. that could replace their hands with guns and their heads with human heads. But the point was they were completely clear except for their chest where you could see their circuitry. And okay. so you would have to buy, just like with the Joes, skin packs. Ah, uh, the money makers. I, exactly. I there you, go. you sell mm -hmm. them the razor, you make them buy the blades. So that lasted a good long time because the Japanese, they liked their henshin. Mm -hmm. Being as there was about to be an oil crisis, they decided to take the henshin cyborg and shrink him. Relabeling him as Microman. Microman. This rebrand was being sold on the idea that he and his team, Microman and his team, were actual size, and now we needed vehicles for them to go in since they were just people again. Mm -hmm. So then they had to make Robot Man, which again, it sounds cooler in Japanese, but, but this in English is Microman and then Robot Man. This is correct, mm -hmm. yes. Uh -huh. The direct translation. So having Microman inside of Robot Man, guess what? Transforming's a really cool concept. And so Robot Man marked the start of when action figures in Japan started transforming. Henshin! Instead of just changing into or putting on skins, now we're changing from one form to another. This is a pretty proto version where you'd have to take Robot Man apart and then re-put him back together in like a Land Rover sort of form. Tankish form. Yes. As we've learned many times in this show, see our Dragon Ball Z episode for all of that, nothing pushes creativity more than toy sales. Good old toys. And with robots and the Henshin idea selling out across Japan, A, they decided to make more skins for Micro Man where you could make them Kamen Rider. Oh, sick. Which brings that whole thing full circle. Takara restructured the toys again and made more robots with more little men. Now they're big robots with tiny dudes inside of them that you can move around with little spinners. And you Which can make the robots more do more than things. that meets the eye. I there see. There you go. I see you're, uh, picking, you're picking it up now. I, I see what you're picking, well, putting down. Okay. Henshin! Exactly. Mm -hmm. And as any good seaman knows, it's all about the ship you're in. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Just... So this line, this brought on the, now we're just transforming robots. And this line would be called Diaclone, which is the okay. Japanese portmanteau of the word diamond and the word cyclone. 
Okay. 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 Two years later, we have an official first person to commend for the creation of the transforming car robot, Kojin Ono. And car robot became a subline of Diaclone. Stepping into the Diaclone continuity for a hot second, the cars were actually used to like become part of modern day society with the little dudes. And so this way they could blend in and they could do different things to get from robot to robot across the planet. Okay. Jumping across the pond. Sheena, were you around for the Micronauts? Of course. Okay, so these wonderful little buggers are actually mm-hmm. Microman taken from Japan. And so okay. Takara, with their new line and with an American audience, they held the Tokyo Toy Show. And Marvel reps and people from Hasbro attended this uh, show. Yeah, those Hassenfeld brothers, I tell you. Oh, yeah, <laughs> those sneaky fucks. And when I tell you that it was no exaggeration, that the men who were there looked at those toys and saw dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what happened. That's fact. That's yeah. that's yeah. legal. Understood. So Hasbro, being the geniuses that they are, combined the Diaclone line and another set called the Microchangers. Same idea, different line, smaller. Mm. And also okay. household items. This is how we get Soundwave and the cassette player. Ah, Okay, blaster and whereas whereas uh, Diaclone started to turn into your car robots, your your fighter pilots, your big uh, things like that. Okay, okay. Your star screams. And yeah, micro changers actually is where Megatron comes from because he's a gun okay. that goes in one of their hands. Mm. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I recall that now. Yeah, yeah. Oh shit! Combining <laughs> them all and labeling them the Transformers. Anyways. Sorting them into their two iconic factions. Beastie, who are the factions? The, the Megatrons? No. <laughs> the Decepticons and the Autobots. Excellent. Good job. Ten points. Excuse me, sir. Next time you, you present them, you put them in the proper order, okay? It's I mean, Autobots and Decepticons. And Decepticons. Wow. Go. Okay. It's in the intro, I tell you. So, now that we've got toys, just like with the Joes, we've got to sell toys. How best do you sell toys? You pitch it to fucking Marvel. (laughs) And Marvel editor-in-chief at the time, Jim Shooter, you know, legendary creator at DC for the past probably 15 years of the time, started off at 17, wrote Legion of Superheroes, did this, that, and the other Mm -hmm. thing, now was at Marvel Mm -hmm. as the Mm editor-in-chief, asked legendary comic book creator at the start of his career, Denny O'Neill. Oh, yeah, eh? And tasked him with creating the story of the Transformers. Somehow, mm. from that brilliant mind, Shooter didn't like it. Oh. And so Jim decided to pull a Thanos and did it himself. <laughs> Quite literally, I remember that happening. Yes, I remember this story. Matt <laughs> said, you know what? You know what? Give that to me. Like, like he said I read it, he's like he's like, nah, this shit's fucking stupid. And like the uh, the already I've already working with an idea that's pretty fucking stupid, but like this is pretty fucking stupid. <laughs> stupid I'm yeah. just I'm just gonna handle this my fucking self. Self. Now, oh my God, O'Neill's ideas weren't all trash because he named probably one of the most iconic bots in the entire line and ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He named Optimus Prime. Ooh, the sweetness. It's about to get better. Okay. The rest of the Diaclone toys, the rest of the Transformers need to be named, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And we're going to start production on this four issue miniseries on Tuesday. And hi. Mm-hmm. I'm Jim Shooter, and you're mm-hmm. Bob Budiansky. Oh, yeah. Good old when I was telling this story food. to other people in the past, I was told that's the whitest name anybody's ever heard. Oh, fuck, yeah. 
Jabutiansky. <laughs> that is so foul. Bob Budiansky. So, so, giving it Jabuti all she's got. Stop. <laughs> just snuck it in. Bob, Fuck. over Thanksgiving weekend, named the rest of the Transformers because they started production on Tuesday. So, 30 plus characters, backgrounds, powers, weaknesses, the whole fucking shebang. The whole one weekend. Profiles. Jesus Christ. Everything you ever know about Generation 1 and parts of Generation 2 from the Transformers, one weekend. In that yeah. one bibble. Damn. And in 1984, Transformers mm. hit shelves. A year before that, some jackass at Tyco Toys is trying to push a fucking truck. They made a comic called US1, and here we are. See what college not, skills gets you, ladies and gentlemen? Not, not all Toylands make it, my friends. Not all Toylands mm. make it, but all right. So, fun fact about the two franchises. Uh -huh. The first time they ever crossed over was a commercial for a comic book. But not oh. a Marvel comic book. It was a pack-in comic book on how the Autobots and the Joes are helping deliver VHSs to stores safely. I mean, like, okay. Fun times for all, my friend. Because safety matters, which is good, so yeah. Another you... chance meeting they would have. I remember this happening because Babby Shino tuned in to both shows one day. And in one episode of Transformers, there happened to be a villain selling some things who had an oddly familiar voice, but dressed differently and kind of made allusions to Cobra. And Babishino's yelling at his TV, that's Cobra Commander! Don't trust him! Yeah! Get him! Get him! And the fun fact, it was so memorable, the, that is verbatim what Babishino said. Verbatim. Word for word. Shared the same voice and everything. Mm, okay. And furthermore, they would go on seasons later and introduce another character who shared a same last name with a character from G.I. Joe. Red, please, go ahead. She is the daughter of Flint and Lady J. Mm -hmm. When the Transformers in season three of their show sped up 20 years in the future, it is heavily alluded to, but not said out loud, that not only the projection that this character, Fairborn, Marissa Fairborn, yes, the name, is the daughter of Flint and actually talks to the same voice actor in a very similar character design of her dad. Yep, on a big screen, same face and everything. Oh, so much so that Flint Dilly, the character, the, the guy who Flint's actually named after, he was a story editor for Transformers, and he confirmed that Mercer Furborn is indeed Flint and Lady J's daughter. Oh, that's pretty cool. A little personal character involvement. Yeah, he dropped that in there. Unfortunately, that's the last time on screens anyway that they would ever cross over. However, there will always be comics. Indeed. Okay. And starting in 1986, with a four-issue miniseries called G.I. Joe Meets Transformers, this is where this starts. Where in classic team-up style, where like the good guys don't recognize that they're all good guys and they got to fight each other a little bit, and then they settle their differences. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Ever present. You can't just trust giant robots. You got to find out if they're legit or not. Yeah. Do you fight for American freedoms? If you don't, you're on our soil, buddy. You need I to go back. fight for Cybertron freedoms. Yeah, well, I agree. Well, well, yeah, well, you need to go back where you came from. Optimus would be like, what is this America you speak of? <laughs> like, In fact, Generation 2 also caught a piece of this action. Oh when God. the comics had Megatron team up with Cobra, and because, you know, gotta sell more toys, guys. Cobra Commander redesigned Megatron, and that's why Generation 2 Megatron looks like that. Oh, the, the army tank that's yeah. green and purple for some yeah. fucking reason. This is the reason. Oh, hated that's Generation it. 2? Yeah. Yeah, hated it. Oh. Hated it so much. I'm, ah. I'm so sorry. That was his only form for a very long time because we yeah. can't go back to handgun. 
because it's silly in my opinion. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> so unfortunately, Marvel got rid of the properties because they had to sell some shit and they went fucking broke. Oh, and, and they remained separate until 2003 when Dreamwave, a person who's no longer publishing comics, and Devils Do Publishing, guess what they're not doing anymore? <laughs> publishing? That. And backflips and somersaults. Fuck. And making money. Damn. They came together and produced G.I. Joe versus the Transformers. This saw Cobra enslave all of the Transformers, rebuild them all into classic Cobra cars until the Yojos freed them. <laughs> Yojos. By the way, classic Cobra cars, definitely all spelt with K's, just, just in case curious. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, they weren't they weren't thinking, man. That weren't bugs thinking. me. Mm-mm. And most recently, in 2004, IDW had the license, mm -hmm. and they did a out-of-continuity story for both of them, which sent them both back to World War II That's and had one. them play in that space for a little while. Yeah. That one's pretty I good. Had, I, I, read, I read some of those issues. They're pretty good. I had the giant poster for that way back in the day. It was a beautiful fucking dark inked poster. It was so nice. Yeah, that was a good comic run, man. Very good. And that's kind of the extent. It's been very comics-based. But you know what, though? I'm going to bring you back another trip down memory lane. Do it. Before we end this whole thing, because I need you all to hear this one. And this is a fun, this is a fun little trivia one. Way back in the day, to further progress the toy line for Transformers, they were commissioned to make a movie. Mm -hmm. So they made this movie. And so with no real idea how to introduce the third wave of Transformer toy line. Into uh oh, movie, here we go. Had to, yeah, they had to make, they had to make it a decision. So they decided to axe all of Gen 1 and most of Gen 2. And so Babishino goes to this theater now with his dad to go see this Transformers movie that's been parading on TV for so long. It looks so good. I remember the trailer this very day. It always shows Optimus Prime jumping into the fucking air, wiping the floor with all these Decepticons, shooting them down one by one. I'm like, this is gonna be fucking awesome. Right? Just kicking the ass naturally. Yeah, kicking the fucking ass naturally. I sit in this movie theater with my dad and Babishino witnesses within the first fucking 10 goddamn fucking minutes. They murder Optimus Prime right in my fucking face. And every child plus me in this theater is crying their fucking eyes out. I have my dad sitting right beside me, comforting me, lying to my face, telling me, don't worry, boy, he'll be right back. Trust me, he never came back. back. Okay? I'm sorry. I, I know who his murderer is. You understand? Mm -hmm. Some would say it's Megatron, and they're wrong. His murderer's name is Hot Rod, and we will never forget it. Okay? We are anti-Hot Rod in this house, just, just I, FYI. I understand. I understand completely. And so dumbass Hot Rod costed mm. millions of kids happiness for one fucking summer. In fact, the response from kids and parents alike brought in the season three episode in which some of the characters come back, at least Optimus. And then, take mm -hmm. this in, they have the balls to kill him again. Hold on. Hold on. Before we even get there. Because that's now you're talking, yeah, yeah cause that's later. I'm about to say that that's the moment that my childhood died. Okay. But listen to me carefully. Okay. <sighs> I'm so sorry. So the, the rampage that happened after this death of Optimus Prime literally had kids lock themselves in their room for days, crying, comforting this toy as they fall asleep crying over this death. I was one of these children. I'm so fucking sorry. I am too. And so was my dad. <laughs> so was Optimus. So was Hot Rod. Hot Rod wasn't so mad. Hot Rod wasn't mad. No, why? Because Hot Rod became the leader of the Autobots and had the Autobot Matrix of Leadership. Fuck Hot Rod. Also, yeah. in particular, in particular... Fuck mm -hmm. Rodimus Prime. Fuck Rodimus. <laughs> the name is so stupid. Get Rodimus off Prime. of his dick. He's Rod dead. Anyways, so mm -hmm. the nuclear fallout from that whole ordeal caused Hasbro to make some decisions. 
And they're like, well, we've upset a whole bunch of kids, and now our toy line is now suffering. You know why? Because there's no fucking Optimus Prime. So Transformer sales are now tanking a little bit, and we have to do something about that. Hence why the resurrection. But before we get to there, on mm-hmm. the other side of the Hasbro, G.I. Joe is like, well, we're making a movie too. Because you might as well. And, and in that movie, there's literally a scene in which Duke, the leader of the Joes, fucking gets harpooned in the chest by a snake. By a serpent man. My God. And in that scene, he's supposed to die. In fact, if you watch the way he falls and it falls to the ground, he's dead. You watch him die out. My man is stabbed in the heart. Straight in. Straight in it. There's no coming back from that. They heard the fallout from from the kids losing Optimus Prime. So they're like, oh shit, we need to change the script right now. So the whole scene gets redubbed as not a death scene for Duke. Because in between the movie... They literally mm. slip in a voiceover of a dude saying, Hey, Duke made it. He's just in a coma now, but he's, he woke up. He's gone into a coma. Oh, shit. And so to save face, Duke off panel did not die. Wow. But that's kind of ass, but okay. It promoted his half brother, Lieutenant Falcon, this loser, to become this new head of G.I. Joe, which no child wanted. So guess what happened at the end of the movie of G.I. Joe? G.I. Joe ended. That's it. They just okay. ended G.I. Joe. They just ended it. They're like, no, let's not mess this up. Let's finish it off. But I lie. Continuing down the line now, Hasbro decides to resurrect Optimus Prime to only kill him off again. Those kids bastards. At this point, bitch. Yeah. At this point now, kids are now emotionally stunted and, don't long, and no longer care. I am one of them now. You I've, been emo- I've been emotionally robbed twice. Might Why as well you? be doing taxes. Childhood over. Bro, yeah. you told me? You told me they pull this more often than they did with Uncle Ben and Spider-Man? God damn. And guess what happens right after that? Transformers ends, and guess what happens? I don't know. A different anymore. company, a different company decides to produce G.I. Joe, Sunbow <laughs> Productions, and they make a different volume of G.I. Joe, which is complete ass. It's ass. <laughs> yep. The whole thing. And it just it just shat on everything prior that happened. So in G.I. Joe, the movie, literally, like Cobra Commander goes back to his like his homeland people and they kind of mutate him into like a deformed snake dude, right? And so definitely not ripped yeah. off from the Transformers movie, but I'll whatever. Right? But, like, literally, yeah, literally gets turned into a snake dude and, and like, removing him over to, like, make room for more Serpentor and, like, the, the snake gang from Cobra Law. Fucking dumb. So, during the movie, he devolves more and more and more until he's, like, uh, like nothing. And then he sacrifices himself and he dies helping the Joes out, okay? And then in the new series, he's he's back somehow. Somehow. Somehow, someway, someone found a cure to turn him back into a man. They found the anti-snake is what they did. Damn. Okay. Just and he's wearing this new armor, and Destro's head is now gold, and he's wearing like cheater print fur, and he's <laughs> dumb. He's dumb. And now Storm Shadow's now a Joe, and he works with Snake Eyes, and there's a Ninja Force, and we're selling more toys. Yeah, it's just it's it's it's, it's ass. It's dumb. It's a whole it's thing. As you know, as we hit the '90s, the '80s franchises like G.I. Joe and Transformers is dead, dead. Forget it. And we move over, make room for dumber shit. But the night is paved way for, for anime. So, I mean, like, with their death, we got stuff. So, it's okay. <laughs> One thing could fall, so another could rise. That's exactly it. You know what's funny? That's what Optimus Prime says all the fucking time. One shall stand, one shall, one shall fall. Son of a bitch. I'm quoting he- shit here without, like, realizing it. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I want to say to the cultural influences of both franchises. Mm-hmm. Because both franchises have been rebooted time and time again, and I bet you didn't know there was a G.I. Joe anime, 
Oh yeah, there is. Of course. The fact that you just said those two words in Simpsons, that's actually boggling my mind. But continue. In the early two thousands they did an anime. Because of course they did. Wild. Still fucking wild. Sigma six is ass. Fuck that. Good to know. Anyways. But just the cultural impact, like and when you trace it all back, Army Men and Henshin. Henshin Shin. So we've got some time left in our episode. Hey, hey Hasbro. Hey, Hollywood, in whatever you're planning after Snake Eyes, because I don't know if it made enough money for you to debate that or not, have a car turn into a robot. Listen to me carefully. I don't think they can ever mix the, mix the franchises together because, well, one is profitable and the other one isn't shit right now. And, like, uh, it's hard to say because, like, pushing war stuff on kids now is kind of like a no-no. So, like, pushing G.I. Joe is kind of hard. So, it depends on what audience you're aiming for. And two, like, they need to make a good G.I. Joe film for a fucking change. That's not happening anytime soon. So They made I mean... a good Transformers one. So, what you do is you take Bumblebee 2, right? <laughs> if you do want, honest to God, good Transformers content, Netflix has three Transformers specials. And one of them involves the subclass or subspecies that you want to call them the Beast Wars. And if you're looking for some good G.I. Joe content, they have good old classic G.I. Joe free uh, to watch on Tubi. And if you're looking for some mature G.I. Joe stuff to watch, you can watch G.I. Joe Resolute because that's literally a spiritual successor and kind of a a sequel to the original series where it kind of gives like a bookend to the whole thing. Kind of sick, very pro-violent. And again, it features a badass fight between Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow and only one survives. So there. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Not many Joe survive. Not many Cobra members survive. These people actually fucking die. Like people actually die in this fucking thing. Oh, oh, no, no resurrections. No. Oh, no, we no, love, no, yeah, no, yeah. We no, love stakes around no. these parts. But it's pretty sick. It's done in a very anime style. Very slick. Came out very. It came out long ago. The animation still holds up. I think you can find clips of it on YouTube as well. So look it up if you want to check out what it's like. And it, there, it's like I think it's made up of a bunch of shorts. It's not like a long whole. Thing. It's like I think like a bunch of like very short films, but jammed together. So mm. I think it was released. It was released online as little epi- like little episodes, but they were like just a few minutes long, right? Like three minutes long each one or something like that. But then you could, you could compile it up into like one whole like one whole viewing experience because it's one whole narrative. So give that a go. And okay. uh. Beastie, if they want to check out more of our content, where do they find us? Well, right over here on YouTube, as per usual. But if anything, they'd have to subscribe to see more of the action between G.I. Joe or per se the Transformers themselves. But they can also tune us in on Wednesdays and Thursdays to catch us streaming live on twitch.tv slash And you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates or join our Crusade chat on Discord by checking our link tree in the description down below. And you can download any previous episodes or listen on your mobile device through anchor.fm or search Nerd Crusade on your favorite podcast app. And thanks for joining us. Until next time, fellow Crusaders. Now you know how to find us each and every week and knowing's half the battle. And that's to be continued. It's more than meets the eye. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this video, go ahead and button mash a thumbs up. If you want to swing by when we have a new video, Web of the sub button. Oh, and while you're at it, hit the bell to be notified by. Oh,